1: Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Gone, is that,
2: that's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They
3: never go home. They never go home. Second captain's world service. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the (sighs) team.
0: Second captain, first captain, whatever. Josh van der Fleer said all the right things about being crowned World Rugby Player of the Year last night, crediting others for his award, pointing out this is really one for the team and all that stuff. But nowhere in his remarks did I hear him thank the people who were really responsible for making this happen. The Irish television co-commentators... <laughs> who make it I'm thinking Donald Lennon I'm thinking Alan Quinlan maybe going all the way back hey to yeah. Ralph Keith Ralph
4: Keith throw it back to the OG
0: who have made it such a point of principle to always pick back rowers as player of the match that the idea of choosing van der Fleer over his teammate Johnny Sexton for the ultimate honour seemed like just the most logical thing in the world mm. what you're
4: going to give a, a flashy out half the world player of the year award again nah. I'd, I'd love to have given it to you Johnny but uh, unfortunately your number is higher than eight so <laughs> it's just not possible
0: we've got a hard tackling hard running no nonsense back rower there and we're going yep. to give it to him welcome to the show, Hey Murphy. Hey, say. Si.
2: Hey, lads. How are you? Uh,
0: hello, Owen. Hello, Simon. And congratulations, Josh. Congratulations. As the person who first noticed this phenomenon, Murphy must have also been pleased to note the identity of the player of the match against Australia.
4: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you now, old. I was uh, watching the game in uh, in the pub, mm-hmm. and two separate people walked up to me and said, "You'll never guess who just won match <laughs> <of> the match, <laughs> Murph." Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. It's well. Listen, I mean, it's, it's not, not Vanderflier, by the way. It was, no, it was, it was no, Cain no. And Doris. Oh no, I mean, listen. The the options are quite literally dizzying you know you could pick any one of three players that's what makes the back row man of the match just so spicy you know yeah well congratulations mm. to you as well Murph for being part mm. of this, this push see I, I, see I have a bit of a theory about this mm-hmm. I love the fact that people are coming up to, the back, to you it's, you see Cain and Dara's got mad of yeah. the match <laughs> <laughs> you always have to do. You know, who, oh wait yeah because of that thing that I think I also think he did a lot of the times they do deserve yeah, it I no, do think, he, was, he was the I mean, best player he was player. clearly
2: the
0: best yeah. player mm. but at the same time it was just always going to regard as was I mean, I thought
4: Gary Ringrose was pretty good yeah. I mean I, actually do you know what I think Gary Ringrose generally is pretty bloody good Doesn't at rugby as many Man of the Match a he's never match won it, a Man of the Match <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell you right now right now old, you'll look back through the records Gary Ringrose has never won a Man of the Match award you know Van Der Flair has remember. won a Player of the Match award in 97% of the professional yeah. rugby matches he's played he's, that's exactly <laughs> it it's, yeah. it's like that stat about James Ryan you know where he won his first 25 yeah, professional yeah, rugby yeah. games yeah. Josh, Van der player, Josh Van Der Flair Man of the Match in his first 83 professional rugby <laughs> games. <laughs> so, I, listen Jamie Heaslip was so mad to win yeah. a match. Yeah. it's, it's, it's a mark really. I don't expect to be, to be passed But I, CJ I Sander I mean uh, listen, yeah. the list was oh, it was unbelievable I do have a bit of a theory about this yeah. that basically there's you know there, there, there are like fads in sports you know where like the, Pep Guardiola became such a massive figure in in world soccer that suddenly everyone had to be a midfielder you know like the the, the apogee of the game was midfield schemer you know, now I think it's just rugby has just decided a guy who can do a little bit of everything yes. you know like, in a highly specialised game find, your, find you a guy who can do a little bit of everything yeah. and that's where back rowers come in well, and Gary 500
2: rucks a game and that's yeah. their job as well yeah.
4: and Gary Ringrose by the way who can do all of this but is literally will never win a man of the match unless Gary you, fa- you fancy a little late career position change I mean I'm just saying auxiliary flanker anyone <laughs> It's it's no good being an auxiliary flanker though. You, you have to be, be an actual a flanker, flanker. That's flanker, flanker. the point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we have got an uh,
0: auxiliary flanker in his day, Gordon. Dar- wasn't always Darcy and O'Driscoll were seen yes, as our yes, auxiliary were flankers. Yeah. Yes. Yep. yeah. Well, Darcy's
4: on today with Shane Horgan, who has occasional been, flankers. They're your locks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's made, they should rename the all of the positions given uh, given precedence uh, to you, how mu- how often you behave like a flanker <laughs> on the team. <laughs> Gordon <laughs> Gordon
0: on today with Shane Horgan, who has been covering the November internationals on Amazon Prime a bit of a Hugo gruder. Keenan of course a rare flanker he's been a fine player for Ireland as well though. I've really got you started on the flanker okay. thing it's, it's a, my own fault it's my so own fault you Wound me do up, do I'll stop a no, uh, gruder of a match against Australia on Saturday night to wrap up a series Kieran, if you were to sum up Ireland's November series in five words what would they be? Uh, played shite one all three is that five words <laughs> <laughs> Simon would you like, like to add a few more words to that
2: yeah like I heard, <laughs> I heard a few people say you know it's no harm Ireland getting a bit of a shock here we're getting too high on our horse ahead of the World Cup I personally and I think pretty much every Irish rugby fan will never get too cocky like if we go and win five World Cups in a row I'll still feel like we're going to get knocked out in a quarter final mm. because we, essentially that's our history that's our DNA um, that's kind of what we think is going to happen. It's the most likely thing to happen in the next World Cup. Mm. I don't think we needed a bad performance or a loss or anything like that to set us back on the right path. Um, at the same time, I'm not too worried about us. I kind of feel like we figured out we can win without the ball now. We won with the ball against New Zealand. We're doughty, we're tough, we're resilient. Um, but if we're going to do anything special, and we said this last week with Shane on the show, if we're actually going to do anything special, that phase play, that brilliant rugby that we saw against New Zealand it doesn't need to be for the 80 minutes but it needs to click at some point in a quarter final for us to make a sense we also five. just to go
0: back over the three games I would somewhat dispute Murph's really well thought <laughs> out cogent <laughs> <laughs> argument there yeah. we, we played pretty well against South Africa. we did we, we did we didn't w- play w- you're, you're quite close to the bone on the next two mm. matches though it is mm.
2: fair and if you think about the, the Mack Hansen try against South Africa, that's all the best things about Ireland. It's kind of like what New Zealand do as well. Soak up the pressure and then score the try when you do get a chance. But I thought we were, we were the worst of the three performances was against Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's funny, Farrell seemed happier after this one than against after the Fiji game. He, I think he loves when things go wrong. I think he wants as many things to go wrong as possible before the World Cup Uh, almost like trying to teach your child resilience. You know, can you guys, will you guys fall apart if this situation happens? Or will you get used to the feeling of loads of things going wrong? Because loads of things are going to go wrong in the World Cup. By the time we get to a quarter, if we do make it... um, There'll have been several injuries, we'll be without one of our key players that we, you know, are a furlong, a porter, a sexton, uh, even you'd say uh Hugo Keenan's kind of essential now. Yeah. Um like there's there's quite a few positions where we think we've depth, but actually that was my main negative from the Autumn Internationals. We don't like the the drop off even in back row to the next layer is is much it's a much bigger gap than we thought.
0: If you're looking for Kennedy's first report from the World Cup that's
4: available on the football podcast right now and yep it's a doozy. It, it was a, a little bloodier than we thought. There's more blood spilt in the podcast than we expected. It does feature
0: a classic in the genre of Kennedy <laughs> major tournament mishaps. That one is available as everyone world service members will of course hear more from Ken throughout the Week and throughout the next few weeks about events on and off the pitch in Qatar. Our plan during the tournament is to record those World Cup pods every night after the final match and then put
4: them out that night so they're available to listen to before you even put your head on the pillow each night. So mm. that's the plan. I know a lot of people might not listen that night, but it, you'll sleep easy knowing that it's there first thing in the morning. You know, you can just. There's go a bed lot and of people asleep.
2: listen to podcasts late at night. Judging by the reaction we got, uh, listen. There's
4: there a niche in the market? Yeah, <laughs>
2: midnight podcast. <laughs>
4: The of the match report is solely distributed between the numbers 6, 7, and 8, no matter what goes on in the game.
5: With Caelan Dorris, uh, the amount of work he went through, the amount of carries, brilliant football score that try, but he is my
3: player of the match. Kieran Murphy from Second going will be absolutely delighted. He loves the back row man of the match. I'm sure he was shouting for Caelan Dorris, Murphy, if you're listening there. It's Porter. He'll pick it up and he'll try and drive through the tackle of Brady Ritalik. They go to Sexton now. R. flings it wide. Keenan. James Lowe. James Lowe scores and Ireland take the lead. They want more this afternoon and they got more. All Blacks lining up on their own goal line. He's over. The hooker scores. Ronan Keller had the try. Simply sensational. So Punching it up the middle. Here's the big run from Doris. Keenan Doris. Front, stunning try by Ireland God, oh, what a moment Joey Carberry born in Dargaville the Irish parents and he struck it pretty well but it's over great kick from Joey Carberry and Ireland lead again by six and there's just two minutes on the clock well the All Blacks have it can they pull off another miraculous win they've done it before in this very same stadium but not today it's not going to happen today it's Ireland's, they get a penalty right in front of oh, it's Ireland's day. A huge moment in the life of Joey Carberry, he can put it out of reach. Come the day, come the hour, and the glory will be with Ireland. They've been the better team right throughout. They'll put it into touch and fitting that James Lowe, who had the first say, has the last say. Famous victory again, brilliant Ireland like it goes to james though how kidding that the man born in new zealand kicks it out to steal an irish victory the are going bananas here
0: we've got a fair bit to get into this week with shane horgan hey shane how you doing? Good, good. And Gordon Darcy in studio. Gordon, thanks for coming in. Good morning. Let's let's start with the good news that came in overnight. Ireland has our third ever World Rugby Player of the Year after Keith Wood and Johnny Sexton. It is Josh Vander Flair, which is uh, quite a stunning achievement for a guy who always had a fair bit about him, I think. But uh, I mean, the, the level of improvement from his early days to the point that he's World Rugby Player of the Year, would that have... Would it, would it have surprised you two or three years ago even if I told you that Josh van der is going to be the best rugby player in the world?
6: Um, am I surprised? Um, now that he has it, no, but I suppose <laughs> if you go back to those three years ago and say, listen, you, know, you'll be, you will be uh, World Player of the Year, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it probably was hard to see an Irish player being one of them.
5: The, is it the red scrum cap, Shane? <laughs> yeah, listen. That's make yourself more visible on the pitch. Um, sometimes that can be a, that can be a disadvantage, but um, if you're playing as well as him, it's, it's certainly uh, it highlights what you're doing. I think it's been a stratospheric rise right over the last couple of years. Um, I think he was he was always rated, regarded as as a sort of diligent, hardworking. Uh, player, but remember, it's only relatively recently that he's been 100% locked down as Ireland's open side. And in the last year, you know, we look at the teams that Ireland have beaten and look at the way they have beaten them. Look at the, and his role in it, which has been integral to Ireland's uh, best performances. And you know, listen, if you if you look at Ireland's worst probably performance of the last couple of years, is what we saw. At the weekend and it was because we were slightly inaccurate at the breakdown that was a, a big component to it so all the other elements of the game that we see with ireland it, it really starts and finishes with the breakdown and he has given ireland that clean ball, or being a big component in getting to the rooks first cleaning out securing making sure the the ball is fast um for for the halfback so you know that's the influence that he's had um, on the Irish game and the Leinster game over the last, you know, probably two years. But in particularly the last year, it's, I think it's a form decision. And go through the mental of man-of-the-match performances he's had has been borderline ridiculous um, in that time. So well-deserved, I think. Uh, but kind of an unusual selection in that if you look at the players that have done it before for Ireland, you think Keith Wood and Sexton are iconic over a number of, you know, sort of almost over their whole career, or certainly not far off. They built and built and built, and and we're at that top level for a really long time. Someone like Brian Driscoll, you know, never having won it, bizarre, you know, not to have that standout year. This is slightly different It's somebody who's, you know, he may have many more and hopefully many more stellar years that he's up there in the running, but he hasn't been up there in the running year after year, but has had this, you know, incredible explosive 18 months. And and you got to say, you know, well-deserved. The most consistent, maybe one of the, if not two key players in the team that's uh, number one in the world and has won all but one of their games, uh, this year, I think um, you know, it's hard to build a, a case against it.
0: We've successfully avoided talking about Saturday night's matchups at this point, Shane, so let's get into it now. Um, Do we have to? <laughs> not the world's greatest spectacle, but with that longer-term
5: view in mind, will there have been, uh, will there have been lessons learned? Um, I'm going to say that result is not... I mean, um, long-term is not a bad result for mm. Ireland. I'm trying to look at the positives for it. Of. The performance was bad. Uh, there's no doubt about it um but you know we could have lost the game and we didn't i don't think that anybody who played that game or anybody who coached um, that game is thinking re- everything's great and we're you know we're we're on exactly the path we want to be and um you know there, there's not um there's not a huge amount of work to be done and refocus to be done um in time for the six nations so there may be a benefit. If there was a, if it was a slightly better performance, you know, maybe there wouldn't be as much scrutiny from, you know, from the commentariat. Um, but I also think that this group of players and coaches are are very um, able to analyse a performance and they don't sugarcoat a bad performance. Um, Andy Farrell hasn't did, didn't sugarcoat a bad performance uh, last week and I think it'll be similar. So um while they've maintained the re- you know maintained their record while they've done the three peat against um australia um and um you know they've got away with a, a performance um, they'll recognize that if they're slightly off um that you know, they, they are likely to lose against any sort of a better side that was a very poor performance by um australia as well i expected much much more from them um i thought they were very very disappointing the other um bonuses that we could we can look at over this series um is that so jimmy o'brien has come in um i think done extremely well um we've seen um he he's sort of a test performer in that he went in against south africa and um you know all practically started at uh, at um at 13 he played so uh, much of the time there I think we can have more time with Balakoon. Um, unfortunately, it's probably one of the things that didn't work. Um, but you know, Jimmy O'Brien, yes, I think to a degree, Stuart McCluskey has worked as well. Um, or certainly looks as if that he's he's comfortable. Um, and does a lot of the right things. And you would not feel, I would feel, you know, very comfortable with him, um, starting in a Six Nations g- game or a World Cup game, no problem. Um. And then there's, um, you know, Crowley um, who came in and I don't think he'll thank his uh, pack for the performance. He could have, you know, had a lot of an easier ride. He could have shown more of himself. But under the circumstances that were presented to him, I thought we saw quite, I I think we saw enough moments to think this guy has got, um, you know, a future for for Ireland ahead of him. Um, So, yeah, you know, definite. Uh, you know, definite bonuses to be taken from it, and uh, but you know, in terms of the actual game itself, whew, not not great. There's a lot in a lot in that one, Shane. I um, is probably a bit harsh on the on on the match. Like
6: obviously, it wasn't a a match for the for the ages, but like the the defense from both teams was pretty good. And I think you're looking at it, the way Australia defend, and I think we haven't played a team like Australia. They stay in defensive points an awful lot longer. Um, so, I don't necessarily think that was down to bad play by Ireland. I think Sorry, there was... what do you
2: mean they stay in defensive points?
6: So, like as a as you know, when Ireland play that multi-phase game, they play that quick rook, and it looks like the defense kind of evaporate, or they just mm. you just run out of numbers, and we look brilliant. Um, Australia are very good at staying in those long phase passage of plays, even with quick rook, and a lot of the time they don't put too many players into the breakdown. Um, so it keeps more numbers on, the, on their on their feet. I think the challenge Ireland had was they didn't identify that regularly enough and try to do something a little bit a little bit different. Because um, we're usually reliant on Sexton or something to see that and to try and go, okay, well we need to we need to be a little bit a little bit different. But I think that was useful for for, for Ireland to go. You know, you can't just win with. Playing this super quick uh, game because teams are going to try and slow that down, and Australia did that for, for for large periods. So, so our teams starting to work us out. Then is that the problem? Yeah, but I, that, that's that's what happens. We were kind of talking about this before we came on air, and it was like, uh, you know, loads of teams have ways to when New Zealand were at their pomp. You know, um, the Richie McCall, Dan Carter era. You know, you'd you'd stop them in one place. You know, and you might go after their set piece, or you might go after something else but they just focus on counter-attack or they would go to a kicking game or they would show a kicking game and attack somewhere somewhere else so I think that has to be the next evolution for 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 this group and for someone like Crowley and Gibson Park I don't think they as you know Shane is saying like the pack it's not I, I don't think um, the pack was necessarily having a, a poor game they were mm-hmm. being well matched mm-hmm. I think there's two different there's two different things like the li- a lot of line-outs there was, an, there was a big forward effort there was a big uh the big focus on set piece and um like and, and like you know James Ryan I thought led well in a quite a tactical game in from a from a set piece perspective. But when the game did we did get some uh opportunity to play ball, I think Crowley and Gibson Park were very conservative in how they how they played. Um, oh,
0: understandably, given that Crowley has just found out 20 minutes before the game, he's about to make his international debut.
6: Yeah, um, his first start. But like I, I, I don't know what you think, Shane, but I think that's probably the best way he possibly could have had It's start. Yeah, understandable for Crowley, but not for Gibson Park. I thought Park... Well, well, no, Park but the, I mean,
0: Gibson Park is trying to take some of the heat off Crowley, so he's not going to yeah, use... Yeah, but in a really strange
2: way, much. I thought over the weekend, Shane, I thought Gibson Park had a bizarre game. His decision-making was all over the place.
5: Yeah, I think it sometimes happens when you have someone new in. Like there's such respect for 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 sex. And We even saw it last week when I mentioned it. Matt Hanson was kind of shrugging off. Crowley was telling him to um, hold the short side wing, and he was coming in um, into the you know the keep on going as we'd say um, uh, around the corner, which was the wrong decision. I th- we saw Gibson Mark maybe taking a little bit too much on, or making maybe making decisions that you wouldn't expect him to make over the last couple of weeks. Maybe because Johnny Sexton wasn't there, but I, I do think uh, Dars. I um I don't really see it as you saw it in that um like the breakdown I thought was poor from Ireland, and um the idea of of playing multi phase with quick ball only works if you're extremely accurate at the breakdown and. Even guys who have had an incredible season, and I can't think, you know, speak more highly of tyge Byrne than you know I have done over the uh, the last few months. But he was a little bit inaccurate, a breakdown. Even Josh der Fleer, a little bit inaccurate a breakdown. Um, and too I, many I penalties given away. I don't disagree with you on that, hmm. um, but I think I don't think
6: you're giving enough credit to the Australian, uh, not necessarily their defense, but their tackling. I thought was was very very good. So part of that. Like the there's there's this two dogs at the two dogs at the bowl. I I do think Australia's defense and their tackling was very very good, um, and that contributed quite heavily towards the inaccuracy that um, Ireland had at the breakdown And I'd say you're yeah. absolutely right with Tyreke Byrne. Mm. And I'd say they're questioning the decision of him playing 80 minutes last week in Shepherd hooking uh, Kieran Treadwell because um, he he definitely he's one of those players that definitely. Create something. Gets the, he was getting some turnovers and everything, but his energy around the field wasn't there. And they do rely on him as that kind
5: of that little link play between between mm-hmm. the pack and the and, yeah. and, and the and, and the backs. And I'm not saying that you know Australia are entirely passive in this area, but I thought it was it was. Um, more on the Ireland side and I think that Ireland um, it was sloppy You're, you know it yeah. was sloppy the they of times were, uh, we were told the, to roll away and didn't roll away for example yeah but that and that is you know that is just um, not being smart as well or maybe it's a little bit fatigue it was a little, I don't know what it was but we weren't definitely as accurate and then that made everything more difficult that means that you know the slow ball you know there are more Australians get back up on their feet and then that does make things more difficult to 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 be sort of incisive around but there was more than that. Our exit plays were poor. Mm. Um, we, you know, we overplayed. We didn't, um, um, and we made mistakes that even when we did the first bit right, and there was a great example um, where we had a line out uh, in the second half sort of deep in our 22 and it was at a, a really good uh, line out and then carried by Doris got into a really good space, and then we sort of turned it over and then, not, you know, all of a sudden Australia are back, and Australia, you know, Australia played a lot of territory, you know, deep in our area, and you know, our exits just weren't good enough. In the air, we were very, very poor. Our kicking game was poor, and our kick to regather game was. We have really been for poor. a while with yeah. that as well. We've been yeah. very.
6: We've been considering when you when you think and. Um, was just watching uh, Rob Kearney just talking about the the Nick White thing, and you're just kind of thinking back to say, you know we could rely on him uh, and obviously Shane yourself at, at various points. It, was so, it used to be yeah. such a strong part of the Irish game. We, would now say
2: Mac Hansen should be quite good at that? Because sometimes he takes the offensive ones very well. Yeah,
5: it's just not something has, we we
6: we, he, we go to
5: very often. Yeah, he's he is, but only honestly he's taken. I thought he took one one really good ball all series. Mike Hansen and. Yeah. This is an area that will lose us test matches. I and mean, listen, if we don't address this, and it's gonna be an area that is gonna um is um gonna be a selection a selection issue because um teams will have identified this now, and that's the problem. It's you know, it's like the scrum. If you you know get a reputation for having a weak scrum, everyone goes after the scrum, referees are looking for it. Um and it puts more pressure on if you uh, get a reputation for not being good at under high ball people start firing high balls on, on you unless you have a series of you know very good performances then you know you're the guy who isn't great under the high ball or you're the Irish team that can be exploit, exploited under the high ball and then you just receive more yeah. of them and um, it's going to be a tactic in the in the six nations there's no shadow of a doubt about it and i thought for for you know um, each of the you know back three and then include Balakun into that none of them performed well in the air and unless they tighten that up, either someone's going to lose their place uh, or Ireland are going to lose tests. And Shane, just
2: judging Crowley on that match, Ireland had, what, 33% possession in that first half, most of it in their own 22. It's it's, it's Some people are criticising, which I just don't get, because there was no real platform there for a guy who had 20 minutes uh, notice before he came out onto the field, would have had very few experiences of just running. I think he's, he's played something like 20 minutes as well with Stu, Stu McCloskey outside him. Um, Gibson Park inside him didn't have a good game the Pack didn't have a good game the Rook was a mess so do you judge or what did we, you we did win the game <laughs> how do you yeah. how do you rate Jack Crowley but I, with, with um, Australia playing really badly I think we need yeah. to bear that in mind I thought Australia
5: were I do thought and, and Doris yeah we did win the game but I, I think this is this is a different team this is the world's you know the, the number one team in the world who's won um, a series in um, New Zealand who you know how, you know beat all comers aside from France last year and who you know i think justify i i think are really justified that position you know the only question you could have is you know France on any given day between the two you know what's the difference and i think it's you know it's tight and we'll find, we may find out um you know, or we will find out uh, where we are with regard to that in the six nations so this and the bar is definitely higher for this team than you know it's higher for this team than any other irish team probably in history because of what they've achieved so you know, just getting, you know, scraping a win with a bad performance against, I think, a bad tired and against an Aussie team who's had its worst run in its history as well. We have to, you know, look at it in that context. But on the Crowley point, listen, this guy should be getting no criticism. I, I actually, I wrote it down, I think, has he got 20 senior games? Yes, like, something like that. You no. know, so unbelievable. And a 10 who needs games. And you look at, you know, someone like Sexton, the amount of games that he played before he got anywhere near an Irish, before he got anywhere near a Leinster team, you know, he played a, a, a lot of games. There was a long apprenticeship before, you know, he, he took over. Um, but what I like about Crowley is one, he didn't shirk his responsibility in there. He did the thing that um, is most difficult at um, international level, is to run flat. And I thought he remained a threat. Um, almost throughout the game, even though he wasn't getting the ball, that allowed him to to be big bigger threat. But he got into you know that that space where he was um, pulling and attracting defenders to him, and and it is vital for a ten to do that, and just really encouraging that he could do it. Will he be able to develop loads of different elements of his game? Yes, he will. But um, as long as he retains that in the way that it, for the way that Ireland played, it's the most important thing uh, for him. So I thought you know really good. Um, I thought, you know, you know, not not you know, not too many flaws in his game. Although not a perfect game, of course, it wouldn't be. But I would have loved to seen him um, with the you know forwards, the performing um, slightly better and giving him a bit more platform because we did see that we saw the, a bit of the loop play going, uh, both just for the backs and and then for the forwards and the backs interacting with each other, and we saw a bit of the secondary. But I actually think he would thrive in that Ireland game, um, when they when they do have quick ball and and they have forwards and backs interacting, and he's getting second and third touches. Um, I was really encouraged by it. You know, listen, he needs more game time. I th- I think it might be an indicator that he will get more game time. Um, in Munster, that could be a you know very difficult situation for for Joey Carberry. Um, but I would like to see him play more, and um, he's in very good position um to be to be number 2 for Ireland in, going into the six nations what about yourself on on, on his performance and where he's
0: at
6: um it's i think it would be unfair to not give him the same level of scrutiny as you're giving everybody else um you know some people like he's he's gotten he's been fast tracked so he doesn't have a huge amount of uh, games under his belt um but if you're going to be fast tracked you've got to be a fast learner as well um i thought he was fine I'll be honest. Um, I think the stuff the chain is saying there absolutely didn't shirk his responsibility. I actually I felt the team tried to protect him, or players around him tried to protect him too much, too which much, yeah. is same, uh, yeah. like um, I, I actually thought like McCluskey didn't do enough for him um, in the sense that sometimes, as in that position, either him or Ringrose needed to just go. We just need to get over the gain line here. I can get just give me the ball I'll get over the gain line and we'll at least get you one quick rook and you can have a look and see what and have get him that front foot ball where he's moving too often he was static and then having to generate momentum and that's when we looked quite you yeah, know easy easy on,
2: to, easy to tell I, I like we needed to just stop and have a reset almost like gather in for a second one direct ball McCloskey and then one fast ruck like yeah, focus there's on a whole, on whole generation
6: rook. of whiteboard uh, <laughs> rugby players that some like because the thing is there's a there's a psychological safety in doing what is on the game sheet so if I don't make a mistake I don't do anything wrong but then you're not going to do anything different either yeah. so sometimes it needs to be when defenses are reading teams that are so are, are we're overly analysed you do need somebody to throw a dummy and, you know, carry, you know, big Stu McCluskey, six foot two, three, whatever he is, 100 plus kilos. Let's use physics here and find Bernard Foley and get over the game line uh, with as quick a ball as possible. And forget about getting into a diamond shape and everything and all that. Sometimes games like that need need that. You mentioned players like Sean O'Brien and David Wallace and um, Brian and uh, players. There's... An art to reading a game as well, that sometimes a decision needs to be made that isn't on the thing, it hasn't been coached, it's up in your it's up in your noodle that you go, actually, this feels right and I back myself to make a strong decision here, which is getting over the game line. Which or, apparently they are empowered to do under Farrell, that's what we hear anyway. Yeah, I think, but like, you remember, like, they haven't, towards the end of the previous way, it was so scripted, yeah. you're now asking players to think again and that is, a, you know, we don't go from straight and everything is, now Now we think and everybody, everybody is thinking there are still piano pushers and there are still <laughs> piano players. We just need a few more players to be thinking. And with the guy with Crowley there, I think the experience around him didn't... Do
5: enough for him in the game to be able to for him for him to shine. Yeah, um, but that, yeah. On that, Doris, I thought that even when we did, you know, carry well, and I thought McCluskey did carry well a, a few times. Doris carried well uh, a number of times. It was, and we were on a decent platform to maybe do something off it with faster rook ball with more um, Australians committed. It was in that ruck. That we messed up and it was you know it was either slow or slowed up by um you know an australian body or we were inaccurate at the break anything that happened it was then you know that rock, and then that slows down and then you get into that sort of you know um stagnant couple of phases and and then are you trying something and, and or forcing something and that's why we ended up having all these phases between i would say our 40 meter line and our 22 <laughs> and never really exiting the zone um you know for for very very long periods so um you know it wasn't necessarily i thought just you know playing through those those phases particularly from starter phase it was again it came down to our issues at, at rook time that you know that weren't weren't good enough could i venture a very un- unfortunate <laughs> frame of view
6: that was three really really tough matches but and the Fiji game was a lot tough, tougher than we thought it was going to be, um, just purely because they were big men that liked to hit, and up until that red card, were hitting very, very hard, and we struggled with that level of physicality. And um, and same against uh, South Africa, we were tired going into that, and it was very clear there was bodies that were tired in that in that game, and there was new people introduced, and again we're talking about this gap between who are, are perceived first. 20 22 players or 18 19 players and the next level in behind not being there and we need to play seven games to mm-hmm. at a very high level to be able to to be able to perform um and you do wonder is that is is that this group's limit or th- is this Irish rugby's limitation and not this group as I'm saying you know we played the three matches on uh in New Zealand but like if we had another match the following week yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it does seem to be bigger.
0: Right? It's, it's worth thinking about. All right. Uh, what about the Nick White? I, sorry, just yes, to, yes, just Ryan. on
5: that. I, I I agree. I thought we looked. I thought we looked fatigued. We finally
6: agreed on thing. something, Shaggy. Ah, <laughs> no, you yeah.
0: got there the <laughs>
5: cool. I, I I do. I thought we looked fatigued, and some of our players. And and again, I hate pulling out um, Ty Burn because I just thought he looked. Yeah, he looked fatigued, but he's put in some serious shifts. You know, like his stomach bug um, as well a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and took a bang, it broke his nose. You know that that actually takes you know takes it out of you as well. So, oof. um, uh, yeah, Doris, I don't know whether um, um like Ty
6: Burn starting against Fiji, you're kind of going, and, and actually, ironically enough, he needed game time because he has has a, yeah. absolutely no game coming into it. But you're kind of going, like, surely, surely, you're gonna to have to start Tom O'Toole or Finley Beal in one of those games. And why, you know, you're,
5: but like, maybe the. Yeah, maybe it's because he didn't have the games. You're right. And there was actually a number of people in in a similar vein, wasn't there? You know, Peter O'Malley didn't have a huge amount of game time going in at either the tie. That's, it's actually probably, and if you look at it, you know, it's probably the second and third week where that sort of maybe a little bit lack of, of fitness uh, manifests, not in the first one where you can get through the game almost, you know?
0: Nick White, guys, was removed from the field of play. He came back on, even though we heard the referee himself saying that he had seen him Stumble, so he went off for his HIA, came back on. He has now been stood down for twelve days. This is after if people didn't see it. He had, there were a couple of different incidents, a couple of different knocks he took within the same fairly short period. This is what the Aussies are saying now. After initially being passed of uh, his HIA by the independent match day doctor, Nick White's criteria two HIA, where a diagnosis was not immediately apparent, has been upgraded to a criteria one assessment balance disturbance post-match and he'll serve a 12-day stand-down period. They do stress White was not exhibiting any symptoms of concussion post-match or the following day. which I don't don't, don't actually fully understand that statement because on the one hand they're saying he didn't have any symptoms but on the other hand his HIA has been upgraded to show balance disturbance. Uh, uh, Another wrinkle to this, Shane is, uh, according to the Sydney Morning Herald, the independent match day doctor may not have actually seen the second incident because he was involved in trying to ascertain the damage from the first one and in in some sort of mitigation to the australian medical team and the independent machete doctor there was a lot going on in that game and even in those couple of minutes but having said all that what what do you feel about what what transpired there over those few minutes on
5: saturday i think they've missed it um and um, i think it was clear to anyone who reviewed the footage that there wasn't just one knock but two knocks, which i think um in any of the you know um, research or, or or opinion around this you know heightens the the danger level really significantly one knock after another um there's an issue there's two issues here there's one that we know about that um the hia as it stands is um is not foolproof um there is then a level of um a sort of additionality that can be used if the players don't or do pass the hia but we see images like we saw um at the weekend um for the first and the second knock and the language that we heard from the referee and um, how we saw him groggy and visibly groggy and i thought unstable on his feet um um, that that is built into the HIA process, it should be, and so the independent doctor um, can take that into account even if he doesn't, even um, if he passes the HIA with the, through the, the protocol, that um, the sort of physical protocol when he comes mm-hmm. off the, the pitch. What seems to be the case, is, and there's been a couple of examples of this um, uh, happen already, that um, the correct footage or the full extent of the footage around this injury... Um, wasn't presented to the independent doctor. So he wasn't fully informed of all the evidence before making the decision, which is based on the HIA and any of the visual um, or let's call it secondary information that forms his assessment of whether someone can go back on the pitch. That, that shows that there is a, an issue with um, the um, right type of information coming to the independent um um, doctor and then him being able to make the decision based on the totality of the evidence. I think that's the issue. We need um uh, we need to make sure that the um HIA um doctor, independent doctor, gets everything he needs to make these decisions. I'm not suggesting that's easy because as you say there's a lot going on. There's a lot of camera angles. a there was a very stop start game. There was a lot of injuries um and um it's difficult but it's the most important thing in rugby, I have to say, I think is the most important rugby. We can't afford these situations to happen again. And whatever we, I think there has to be a relook at how we get the information to this independent and um, doctor because there, um, even one uh, missed opportunity is, or sort of, you know, one missed case, um, diagnosed case, could be, you know, catastrophic. Uh, so it has to, it has to change. As Joe
0: Malloy pointed out on TV, it shouldn't even have been. I shouldn't have even gone down to the HIA. World Rugby's guidelines on head injuries state that a player should be immediately and permanently replaced if they display any criteria one symptoms of possible concussion, including balance disturbance, without an on field assessment. Even needing to be carried out, but yeah. and the
2: ref, it, it, the ref go,
0: And the ref, as, yeah, as as I said, what was the ref's wording? Just to get the right, I, I saw him stumble as well. You hear the ref saying that on on the mic as he's making sure that he's going off for a HIA.
5: I like but the, a, the ref. Sorry, just on that, does the ref not then have a? Um, he's obviously given a clear indicator. He's an obligation yeah, that he's saying. Yeah. He then has an obligation not to let that person
6: back on the field. Yeah, and I'd say, but I think as well, it, it like it, it was the full. It was almost the full ten minutes he was gone. Um, so I'd say the ref just, and uh, it's, not, it's not funny, but he likely just forgot. And then was like, oh, because I was surprised when he came back uh, when he was on. I was like, oh, you, uh, you might like go for a ref to take you in, in, in the game. Oh, that's what I mean. It's, yeah. it's too much for it. But that's what, actually what I was going to say is um, there's other people who I think should or could shoulder some of that responsibility. So like there's a medical there is a, a I say like Trump here, a medical person um, <laughs> besides Jake White when he's, um, when he, or Nick White, Nick White uh, yeah. when he is on the ground. And you can see him. He, his eyes are lit. He is, he is, he's absolutely stunned. And you can see that from the, on, on the camera. But there is an Aussie, sorry, a physio, water carrier, somebody like that. You know, at some point, you're own, you have to protect, it's bizarre that you have to protect players from themselves and that does mean you've got um, you have to stick your head above the bar but then just go no like lads he is clearly stunned mm. and saying that to the doc the, uh, the passing at least passing it on to the Australian doctor who would then you go at least saying okay passing information should be going down and going nah nah he shouldn't even be allowing him to uh, it, do it. it it
0: was as obvious to you guys having played the game professionally th- yeah. th- th- oh, that that guy this, looked like he was in trouble right? <laughs> because <laughs> there, there is this whole thing that we're we're not doctors and you're not a doctor and uh, yeah, ah, so but, like, you listen, have to leave then, it to these guys
6: yeah but like there's also things if if you're going down that tunnel there's a reason you're going down it mm. really like if there's any if you're it's is it not a uh, contradiction in terms in saying okay well i'm going to send you down to see if you're you look stunned you are, so I'm going to send you down. Just do a quick test to see if you are stunned. And the ref has said that he saw you stumble. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it did seem a particularly <laughs> I, egregious case. I stunned, the, like stunned, like the, yeah. the what's it called? I stunned them, stunned them first. Yeah. Um. If you going down, if you if you have a question for a HIA, should you be coming back? I, I don't really think you should be to be honest i'm still amazed players. but that's the
5: rules that's the rules you know if it's if if there's you know if there's any sort of question at all then uh, from from why the, are we doing uh, from, a test? from what you've what you've what what you've seen visibly on the field you know if there's something visibly on the field that you can see where there's there's um, you know there's uh potential that is a concussive uh, a blow then actually you know, the HIA is is not even something that should be undertaken. You know, if, if, that, if that visually can be seen, then, you know, the player should stay off. But there's a couple of things. I think on this complete deference to the medics here is, I think it comes from a position, which I think is possibly a good one in that, you know, for too long, medics... Were you know the opinion was sort of disregarded almost because you had these coaches coming in and the coaches say oh he's fine or the player would say he's fine and that had to change and it did change but we also have to say we know and it's acknowledged by the medics that the HIA isn't always conclusive or foolproof yeah so um, um so it's not it's not right to then just hand off you know hand over. Complete um, and have a complete deference to the medics in these situations yeah. because you know we've seen with our eyes. You know the the referee stated it. I, I think if the independent doctor and I hope this would be the case, if he was made fully aware of all the visuals that were around that incident, then there would be no debate here and he would would have remained off. So is there another individual or individuals or team of individuals that are working specifically? On providing that, you know, those um, uh, independent me- uh, medical uh, doctor with the best information in order to make the decision. Uh, there seems to be a sort of a, a disconnect between what, you know, what we're all seeing on the pitch. And I saw, I didn't see the second hit immediately, but, and I actually didn't see the first hit immediately. So the replay, I saw it. Then I saw the second one. Then I saw actually the way. Nick White was, was acting. He looked shook, actually. He looked shook. He, he, like, he thought, like, oh, this is two bangs one after another. He, he didn't look great. You know. But Shaggy,
6: what, we've aired was... we've we've too far on the side. So when we go back to when lads were stumbling, and I remember being in a room and I think it was Rob Carney got up and he was, like, stumbled for, like, six steps sideways. Mm. And we were all laughing because mm. uh, we, we didn't no really... No awareness of consequences, yeah. We didn't understand yeah. of what it is. And uh, this was actually in a presentation and a doctor kind of said, so, so what's happened here, lads, is A neural pathway in that lad's head has been blocked. So the message for his foot put one front in the other has taken longer to go around. And that's why he's stumbling. So that neural pathway, he said, it's effectively like being the M50 being blocked. He said that message, you know, you have to go around, you have to go around the long way. So it's pretty bloody serious Mm -hmm. what they're talking about here. So I think we were so far to the left on blasé about it, you know. Mm You know, get up, don't disrespect your mates, get up back in the line and you're you know, that was the type of approach you're letting your mates down if you said you had a sore sore head. And now we're going, Oh, well, we don't really want to take players out. We want to put this really vague kind of screening and we don't have all the information and you know, and players are slipping through the net to come back on. Like, why are we not going so far now to the right to go if you if you, you are wobble. If you if you anything, you are just you're rejected. You're out of the match. Well, again, just on that, if you wobble, you are supposed to
0: be gone. This exactly. But it's the, the, <laughs> the thing about trusting the science and trusting the doctors we are trusting the science. We're trusting that it was doctors who came up with these guidelines That's in the cold light of day as well, rather than in a really pressurised yes. situation on the pitch when everyone's blood is up Which and so Which
6: players on. spend most of their time trying to get
0: around. Yeah, so the guidelines are there. We're, we're just talking about that those guidelines should have been it's followed. It's also and brand new. This idea of a
2: HIA has made. evolved. It's brand new anyway. And In that short space of time, it has evolved. So like you say, Jane, the idea that this new test that we've been trying for the last year or two, let's absolutely just go by that and nothing else, as opposed to 50,000 people, plus a ref, plus a teammates watching him wobble and still him coming back on
5: yeah but, but the thing is that's not the rule we don't say you know i just said the, the 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 rule is broader than just the independent doctor hia assessment you know number one because yeah. we know there's a number two we know this there's no it's broader than this that information that everybody i think could see you know um with their eyes um and the referee Directed to that is meant to form part of the process and part of the decision making process. So the issue is that the either one, the independent doctor, um, saw that and disregarded it, which was an error, or and I'd say more likely wasn't presented with the full imagery, um, of the two blows and the, you know, the, um, I think this looks
6: really poor on the Australian team, to be honest like mm. it's just bizarre
5: that yeah. somebody you, but you can see you can see how it happened as well in that so there is an independent doctor there who's tasked with mm. p- protecting the the player and the safety of the player when that decision is made to allow the player by an independent doctor um back onto the field you're right dars it should have been Picked up on the Australian side because they it can't be I the Irish more guy because then you're, going, oh, more you're just trying to get them off, you're just trying to get them off, you're trying to get them off. Yeah, the Australian I think they guys, had more information, I think they had more information, so you're right. But it would be, you know, and I don't know if this has happened before, it would be, um, one doctor overruling the independent doctor in this position, so it is, you know, it becomes uh, a, a, a kind of a trickier one, I think, in the first instance. You know, if this is solved. By the providing the independent doctor with all the information that is rec- that is necessary to enforce yeah, the rules. But if you're they're, Dave they're Rennie and you're up in
6: the you're up in the uh, the box and you've heard the referee go, I've seen him stumble. You've seen you've seen him stumble. You've seen every one of those angles. Why not just sub him and go? And, like I want him at a workup? So like this is like this is the, there are we ramifications. I don't know for sure.
2: Rennie heard that or, or saw everything, but between like the physio, the doc, the ref, teammates.
6: The management team. Yeah, just because, just sh- because the independent doctor goes, yeah, no, he's 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 passed his, H- his HIA. Like everybody it, with a set of eyes and a thing could see he shouldn't be coming back j- on. J-
0: just to be clear as well, we're not in a position to say that, and we're not saying that medical information was deliberately withheld from the no, day no. doctor. No, 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 saying, no. This what is, is just be? so oh, much yeah, going on and for whatever reason, he didn't seem to get the full picture. So it's something sl- broke sloppy. down somewhere sloppy. along the way there. Anyway, just on New Zealand. England to finish up, Shane, and that unbelievable comeback from England, which could have been an even better comeback if they hadn't kicked the ball out of play in one of the most soul-crushing decisions that I've seen, albeit extremely logical decisions that I've seen in the rugby pitch given where they were at. Were they right to just take the draw at that point?
5: Um, I, I think it speaks to an issue. Um, do you? you, you do you think it's a problem? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, they were well inside their own honestly, half. They could get turned to, over. I hate it. I, I hate it. Even, like, was it last week as well? Again, I know it's very different circumstances, but against Fiji, and I think um, Farrell, Farrell, Farrell referred picked to it, up yeah. on it. You know, I used to drive me demented when we were playing. You think any chance, even no matter how much you're up, the opportunity to go again, you know, and, and score a try just speaks to the intent in, in, in a team. You um, yeah. You know, this is not you know a, sort of a World Cup. Um, you know, there was a chance to go after that game after potentially. I know the position wasn't great, but like the, the harness the emotion, it, it probably speaks to a couple of things. One that you know England haven't had a brilliant year. The Eddie Jones is under pressure. I don't know what was coming down from the stands, but it's you know it's likely maybe he was happy to take the draw under those circumstances, given where they were. You know, uh, um, twenty minutes beforehand, um, but. Um, you know, in in maybe in other circumstances, um, I think it would have said a lot uh, about the team to to sort of go on have a crack and and recognise yes there was some jeopardy with potentially losing the game, but um, they're home they're you know on the back of a um a you know momentous change in the game and an opportunity to you know to do something um, monumental and um they turned it down. Hell of a comeback though, all the same. Go yeah, on. that was uh. Going around
6: on the way up to do commentary and just looking at it, it's like um oh, brilliant England getting stuffed again, and uh, every time I got up it was like oh it's twenty five fall well um but th- yeah same with Shaggy you're just kind of going it it does also show that uh like they've pretty much brought in the most attack minded out half in probably the northern hemisphere um even more so than Finn Russell and in. Uh, Marcus Smith yeah. and they basically tied him up in strings and just gone like this is the system this is how you're playing so you, you, you've played brilliantly um, to get selected and you play this unbelievable brand of rugby and you're attacking first receiver very much like Crowley that type of a thing well Crowley very much like him maybe uh, probably the other way around and he's just tied up at knots and he was just sitting there going oh yeah I just I probably should kick this out He's not playing off any sort of instinct, and England have not figured out what their 10, 12, 13 well, looks I'll, like. Well, I'll
0: tell you the man who can sort that out, Gordon. Certain t- former teammate of yourself and Shane's, Ronan O'Gara, is reportedly <laughs> on the Orfew's three man shortlist to succeed Eddie Jones as England. Before Coach. the World Cup, or According after at the times I presume before <laughs> <that's a pretty laughs> <pretty> cool. <laughs> the World Cup would be an absolute
6: uh, boulder. What do you think, Shane? Well, rog, this R- is Rog this for is, England. Well, I am sure Shane will
5: be as part of his backroom staff. I would have thought yeah. <laughs> media liaison. What do you think? <laughs> um, um, I think that if Ronan gets offered the job, he'll take it. Um, it's uh, one of the um, you know biggest jobs in in uh, in world rugby, um, and I, I believe. Uh, I'm. <laughs> I believe a man can order. Can um, can live on a decent uh, salary as well, <laughs> the one that they provide. So, um, um, yeah. I think you're in the world of professional coaching. That's what you do. There's no. Um, I don't see a, a sort of a path in Ireland at the moment for him, and maybe not for a while. And that's in some ways, it's it's disappointing, but other ways, it's you know, it's um, good because it says uh, it's, it means that Ireland is in in, in rude health. Um, so, I think he'd probably be all over if he gets the chance. He can take the Andy Farrell, Stuart Lancaster path,
0: fail with England, and then rejuvenate themselves in <laughs> you know, Irish rugby. It's going it's to
5: be perfect. Well done, O'Garry. He's
0: thinking the long game, that guy always is. Gordon, great stuff. Thanks, Emil. Shane, brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Emil, lads.
3: Uh, Owen, I like you and I like your style The second captain. We've got a bit better quality. It's compliment any place anywhere, all over the world.
6: Full of protein.
3: It's information, fluid information.
6: I don't know what you're talking about.
3: You can do it while you're cleaning the house, brushing your teeth, taking a bath. Trying to be critical is going to be impossible.
0: We haven't actually mentioned the big result over the weekend: Georgia beating Wales and Cardiff. They also beat Italy in the summer. Mm. And now they're calling on World Rugby. They're, they're basically saying World Rugby cannot ignore us any further and need to stick us in the
2: six No stations. can do,
0: Georgia. Sorry. Oh.
2: <laughs> You're not a good enough holiday destination. Mm. Uh, the Just watch us. Replies World Rugby. Uh, tough result for. The pictures of Rome back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> a tough result for Wales to take, but if ever there was a time to suffer a shock defeat, perhaps this was the time with the eyes of the nation now focused on their first appearance at a World Cup since 1958. They played the US. Tonight, in the final game of today's schedule in the World Cup, that's at seven o'clock our time. You're cheering for Cymru this evening,
4: Ah, God, Owen. Um, I, I, did we talk about this really briefly when it came out? But basically, the FA of Wales released um, this video a couple of weeks ago uh, of this folk singer called uh, Daffod Iwan singing a song called Imiyaha Ohid, right? Great pronunciation. Uh, it means we're still here. Uh, Daffod was jailed for uh, defacing English-only signs across Wales in the 1970s. So he's um, uh, massively into the Welsh language, the revival of the Welsh language, which has gone spectacularly for uh, Wales and the Welsh language in the last 20 or 30 years. And uh, the video could have been this kind of... uh, Because the song is is a protest song. So the video, as released by a football association, could easily have been as Daffod himself says, a sanitised, corporatized version of the song, mm-hmm. but that's absolutely not what they did. Uh, it's uh, spliced through with footage of the coal miner strikes, and it's it, basically the song was written in the in the seventies and eighties as kind of like an anti-Thatcher protest song, and the video is cut through with all of this like amazing imagery, unbelievable footage of miner strikes and. Um, Welsh language uh, protest You sent it on to me it really is so evocative Yeah yeah? Now as well as the old footage of John Toshak hitting the
0: crossbar and key qualifier and these sorts of football bits
4: And this would all be this would all be great on even if the song wasn't an absolute (laughs) stone cold (laughs) banger which is what it is Mm, Uh, It's It's unbelievably catchy Uh, Now I mean you know uh, short old men singing about how much they hate the English is You know, let's just say it's not entirely uncommon in my Spotify profile. So maybe there's something, (laughs) you know, there's something in particular that I'm reacting to here. But I did have like a small cry at breakfast this morning, just like a small one. You know, like what, 30, 45 seconds. Your first World Cup cry. Weeping openly. Shoulders up and down, kind of. Yeah, you're full full on. Just I had to go for a little walk (laughs) around the house to clear my eyeballs. Your wife just took one look and slowly left for work. Without a word. This is going to be a long month. (laughs) Uh, But I mean,. Yeah, bloody hell, Owen. It's it's got, it's got some balls. It's a hell of a tune. Thanks, Murph. Uh, Will thanks. we play out with it? Explains why you're wearing a
2: daffodil suit now.
4: <laughs> it is a long tune, so
2: we'll, it we'll, is we'll a leave long it up tune. to Simon how much we're I to mean, I play.
4: I personally would play all four and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I know that I, I'm in the minority there. It's so, an amazing song. Uh, it is absolutely Listen, He cut Gangsters Paradise short, so we're <laughs> yeah, doing well too. <laughs> Imaha
0: O'Heed by Daffodil Wanon. Lovely stuff. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, I. Thanks, lads. Thank you, Simon. Thank you all. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to sign up to the World Service for ad-free podcasts. And the Second Captain's Pod is part of the... Acast Creator Creator Network. 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 That was it. (laughs)
3: and I'm he I thank that is to persuade the there's a world outside of that. That's why sport's important.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,